0: I'm Tomasz Witkowski and you are listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience.
1: You are listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 60. I'm your host, András Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jalan Levin and Pontus Bergman. See ya stock.
2: Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. Hello. Hello. Hey. Good
1: to be back again.
2: New episode, yeah, and it's the f- f- effing sixtieth episode. Sixty, yeah, sixty. Is that right.
3: Sixty is a lucky number, guys.
2: Is it? Yeah. Well, is it is it? now. Yes. <laughs> is it?
1: Yeah. We <laughs> declare. We hereby declare number sixty an official lucky number.
3: We. Why the Why the hell not?
1: Yeah. Why the hell? Because not? we can. Because we can. We make the rules. Because it's Friday. Doesn't make any difference, but we can. <laughs> De- declaring something <laughs> it's, it's its easy hmm? yeah look at what's going on in politics hmm. yeah politics it is getting infiltrated by, by pseudoscience day by day it's terrible and uh, you must have heard the latest what's going on with the anti-vaccination yes. people Yeah, with the biggest fraud ever, Andrew Wakefield. Andrew Wakefield. Yeah.
3: Yeah, a lot of excitement around that area.
1: You know, there there is a series of Facebook groups called "Bring Vaxed to Germany, Netherlands, uh, Belgium, etc., etc." So they try to organize a complete movement and try to bring that pseudo documentary, Vaxed, to. Lots of different countries, and actually, it's um, a very nice piece of collaboration that we we can report on uh, as of late. That was uh, that um, after it was announced that um, the the Curzon Cinema in London, uh, Soho, was about to screen that terrible piece of of filmmaking as a private event, there was a public outcry. Uh, led by scientists and uh, skeptics. And it turned out that it wasn't only that. It wasn't only London, but there were other scheduled events. Uh, One of them uh, was supposed to happen on the 9th of uh, February in Brussels, at the European Parliament. I'd like to let that uh, sink in. Just at the European Parliament, which is... It's a a terrible idea in itself. And there would have been um, uh, an event in Paris on the 13th of February. That, to our knowledge, is still going on. So if anyone is listening from Paris, Mm. uh, please try to find out what's going on about that and uh, try to do everything you can to stop that event from happening because it's... It's not censorship. It's not. Uh, don't think about that as as such, because it's it's dangerous. What they're doing is not just a matter of of letting others express their opinions. It's about stopping a very harmful kind of pseudoscience from spreading. Mm.
2: It's, and it, it's total lies as well. I mean, it's so absolutely. yeah, it's so made up and and. Uh, Uh, biased and 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 you know it's 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 not anything that you should listen to but it's very hard if you don't know anything or you don't you know very little about the subject it can look very convincing but you know if if you really know the facts and, and what's behind it it's it's terrible and uh, I'm happy to
1: report that uh, several European sceptical organisations have been involved in uh, trying to figure out what's going on and, uh, and trying to, to push for stopping it. And apparently the, the London event that would have taken place on um, the 14th of February, it got cancelled. And apparently the one, one in Brussels is cancelled as well. Which, which doesn't necessarily mean that a screening will not take place there. It means that the original venue is not going to give room to to the screening of the movie and the the follow, uh, follow-up um, discussion and conversation.
2: And I think that's a very good way of addressing these things. You, don't, you, you go to the venue who has booked this and you inform them. Yeah. This yeah. is what you've booked. Are you sure that this is a message you want to promote? and very often they back out and we've seen that before in other we had this uh, uh what's his face uh Brian Clement uh, last year yeah. and we stopped him in Stockholm and and you you can you can do that inform the venue that this is not science this is not facts this is not real you should really look at what you're promoting if you allow this to go on.
1: And because of this being a very important thing to do, stopping the anti- anti-vax movement uh, from, from spreading uh, dangerous ideas, especially if, if you are from, from a certain European country, you should check out the website of the uh, European Forum for Vaccine Vigilance which is efvv.eu, but I'll, I'll put the, the link to the show notes. It's a surprisingly long list of countries where there are representatives of this uh, network. Um, unfortunately, there is one, one from Hungary as well. Um, there is one in Sweden. There is one uh, in Lithuania, but uh, I, I couldn't find any uh, in Latvia, so you'd... You don't have anything to feel ashamed of uh, in that regard, Yelena.
3: That's not necessarily the, uh, means that there aren't any <laughs> anti-vaxxers.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just they're not part of this network. So do check out the the European Forum for Vaccine Vigilance. Uh, yeah, the subtitle of, of their website is Vaccines and Vaccination Freedom of Choice. It's It's a terrible idea it's it's like holding referendums on every single sophisticated and uh, complicated topic vaccines are not that complicated but they require a certain amount of knowledge about things how things work how diseases work and how they can be stopped in order to understand uh, the necessity of vaccination so you have to vaccinate Otherwise, uh, all hell is going to break loose. So, yeah, uh, this is where we are standing right now. Even um, organizations like Sense About Science uh, uh, were dealing with this. And uh, our good friend, Fiona O'Leary, as well. So we'll keep an eye out for uh, for these events. And please, uh, I'd like to ask uh, our listeners to do so as well. And... Uh, Thanks to every everyone who's expressed their opinions and, uh, and tried everything they could to, to stop them. Uh, they might not be stopped forever. Um, they will probably take place somewhere else. But uh, yeah, try to do something about it. What else uh, has been happening lately?
3: So the, there's going to be um, Darwin Lecture next Friday that I'm attending. Friday the 10th of February. And okay. it's something that British humanists uh, organize every year and they invite a speaker over. And this year it will be Lawrence Krause who will talk about cosmic natural selection. So I'm just mentioning it in details because I'm going to
2: be there.
1: Yeah, I know you're madly in love with Lawrence Krauss, So, uh,
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: He's, yeah. He's, a, he's a good guy.
2: And of course, we are linking to that event on our events uh, page. If you go to eu and you go to uh, events in Europe, you will see that we have, uh, I mean, at least a dozen events going on in the coming weeks. So so go there and you'll find the links to the Darwin event as well.
3: Yeah, and um, you can also get in touch with us by uh, following us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at ESpodcast underscore EU. You can email us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu. Or you can like us on Facebook. Also, if you get our our podcast through iTunes, please don't forget to leave us a review. Hopefully five star.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't forget to leave us a five star review.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Just like, you know, just I'm leaving it out there, you know. And spread the word about our podcast.
1: Okay. Also, I think um, it's about time for us to announce something else. Running a podcast comes with expenses as well, um, so you do have the equipment. You you do have the services that you have to pay for, like uh, hosting the podcast itself, hosting the website and stuff. So we would like to ask for your help, dear listeners, if you are willing to chip in a few euros, pounds, dollars, whatever um, is that you use in your country. We would really appreciate your help uh, with uh, running the the show and uh we could we could
2: keep it up so please uh do that and uh, if you have anything to spare please go to the the website the and you will find a donate button and you can send us a little you know token of your support for this uh, podcast that would be very nice of you thank you very much in advance and
1: uh this episode is going to be centered around an interview that we recorded. It's um, it's another interview that we've been planning to do for a long time. We we even had a couple of uh, failed attempts to to record it. Uh, Tomasz Witkowski uh, was very very kind, um, and uh, he he kept trying, but 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 sometimes we failed uh, to record it. But now finally we could do it, so it's here for you to listen to so i think it's time for us to move on to that interview with tomasz Bitkowski. on every other episode we interview a person representing an organization or project either from a certain european country or stretching across borders Today our guest is Polish psychologist, skeptic and science writer, science educator, Tomasz Witkowski, who's the author of dozens of science papers as well as hundreds of popular science articles in the field of psychology. He has led several campaigns to fight against pseudoscience in Poland and is one of the founders of the Polish Skeptic Club, which is one of the organizing bodies of the upcoming 17th European Skeptics Congress. He has written several psychology textbooks in Polish and is widely recognized among skeptics internationally as the author of the books Psychology Gone Wrong and Psychology Led Astray. Tomasz, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much uh, for the invitation. Welcome.
1: Thank you. So first of all, this is something that I always ask of people who are not from an English-speaking country. How does the name of the Polish Skeptic Club sound in Polish?
0: Polskich.
3: Oh. oh, that's easy to understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Normally, Anders is uh, trying to get some, someone to say something that we can never even repeat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, can you tell us a bit about the history of the organization? So you're among the, the founders of it. So when when did it come about? How did it all start?
0: Uh, well, it started um, at 10-10-2010, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, uh, which is an important de- date in our history. And uh, actually, we were uh, active as a skeptics before we founded um, our organization. I mean, uh, most of us did something uh, what usually skeptics do, just uh, lecturing. Just uh, popularizing uh, good science and debunking pseudoscience, uh, etc. And uh, finally, in 2010, after the Congress in Budapest, we decided to launch um, uh, officially Polish Skeptics uh, Club, which was uh, connected with uh, 1023 campaign. Mm-hmm. because we uh, we decided uh, we should do this um, uh, as uh, most of european skeptics and uh, it wouldn't be possible without an organization uh, like association or, or or club or something mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. so we decided to register ourselves uh, as an official organization and we were registered uh, at (laughs) (laughs) 10.10.2010.
3: Easy to remember. Very
2: good.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, our first uh, campaign was uh, 10.23. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. So how many members do you have now and what other activities are you participating in or, or have you done?
0: Yeah, we we have uh, quite few members. We are less than 20 now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it is because uh, when we started our activity as a Polish Skeptics Club, uh, we thought uh, it would be good to create organization uh, rather uh, like a think tank Uh, than a a massive organization uh, um, for everybody. Uh, Mm -hmm. So uh, we created a club of uh, experts, uh, professors, uh, doctors in different areas of specialization. And we intended to have a power, uh, political power, a power in media, etc. And we really have this power or had Maybe now uh, we are not so active like few years ago, but probably we will uh, change our organization a little bit uh, because we still lack people to work, uh, to organize uh, lectures, meetings, etc. So probably this idea of uh, think tank uh, organization it wasn't uh, good enough.
1: Mm-hmm. But um, I'm particularly interested in one campaign that you ran. Psychology is science, not witchcraft.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was a campaign uh, which um, took place in uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. And uh, the aim of this campaign was uh, to inspire people to skeptical thinking, to critical thinking about uh, psychology especially about some methods of diagnosis uh, for Mm. forensic purposes. Uh, You know, there are a lot of pseudoscience uh, in this area, especially Mm. so-called projective uh, tests, especially the Rorschach blood test. Uh, They they have no value uh, or very little value, and they are still used uh, for forensic purposes. Mm. We decided to concentrate on the Rorschach test because this test is very popular. Many people know it from movies, from books, etc. Many people know this in blood. And in our opinion, it's not fair for people to diagnose them with this almost 100-year-old test without any value. So we created um, a lot of graphics, especially t-shirts with uh, the first uh, inkblad from this test. We published (laughs) inkblads uh, in Polish Wikipedia with description uh, of uh, most popular answers reactions for this uh, inkblots, and for this campaign we engaged about uh, 140 people uh, in poland they wore uh, t-shirts with the sentence uh, psychology science not witchcraft and with uh, uh, this graphic from uh, russia test and there were people, there were professors of psychology at universities, psychologists in the workplaces, students uh, and so on. And they wore uh, T-shirts uh, for three, four days. And we did a lot of lectures about it. And we were able to arrest um, an attention of public radio and public TV and some newspapers. And we started big discussion about uh, the value uh, of these methods. Uh, I realize that we will not succeed. I mean, uh, these uh, tests are still used, but uh, I hope that many people had possibilities uh, uh, to hear about uh, the value. Many lawyers discussed about them, and now it's not so obvious that the Rorschach test is a valuable uh, tool for diagnosing people in uh, courts uh, for forensic purposes.
1: Um, For those who are not familiar with that, can you briefly tell our listeners what the Rorschach test is?
0: The Rorschach test is a so-called projective method. There are uh, several uh, symmetric inkblots and the psychologist asks you what do you see. When you are watching at, uh, at this inputs um, and um, from uh, these answers a psychologist can, uh, let's say, diagnose your uh, personality, uh, etc. And it was uh, idea of Rorschach, a man who started this idea at the beginning of uh, 20th century. But uh, it appeared after years of uh, research that it has no value almost at all or a very little value. Mm-hmm.
3: According to Wikipedia, you're known for your unconventional campaigns uh, against pseudoscience. Um, what is unconventional about your attitude? Uh,
0: Well, maybe it's a kind of uh, what people think about uh, my actions, uh, they are unconventional, because usually scientists or skeptics do lectures, they write articles, they persuade uh, others. I try to do things which are not very conventional. Let's say an example could be my uh, hoax. Uh, It was a paper which I published in Polish psychological journal about non-existent therapy based on uh, false assumptions describing something uh, which doesn't exist, uh, which is psychobabble and uh, complete rubbish. Why uh, did I do this? Because uh, you know, discussing with uh, editors was completely useless. Because I, I said to them, "You publish a lot of uh, uh, rubbish in your journal." They said, "No, it's not a rubbish. It's maybe not uh, proved well, but it's interesting, important, and so on." So I decided to show them that <laughs> they are prone to publish everything yeah. just to just to sell this. And, you know, what they did, it was an improvement of my paper. They plagiarized papers from the Internet, and they added by themselves some uh, parts of this article. Wow. So they improved this pseudoscience uh, by themselves. Wow! And it was a big uh, discussion in Poland after uh, I debunked, uh, of course, I debunked it uh, uh, one week after this article appeared in this magazine, and it was big discussion. Uh, uh, some people hate me uh, till now after this uh, this hoax was published, but uh, many people said uh, it was very good, very unconventional because. Uh, it opened eyes of uh, many readers, many uh, normal people. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Do you think anything changed um, with this particular uh, magazine when they approach their uh, publishing research?
0: Yeah, it changed quite a lot. Just one year after my hoax was published, it was quite uh, long ago, in 2007. A friend of mine um, who is a psychologist as well called me and asked uh, whether I sent a plagiarism to the journal. Uh And I uh, said, I didn't send any article to your journal. And he explained to me, you know, uh, we identified one paper sent to our journal that it is uh, pure plagiarism. And we thought... You are trying to make another joke, another <laughs> yes. hoax, another joke. So, what changed? Even if it was for one, two, or three years, some editors uh, were much more careful about such things than before. They they were afraid about uh, hoaxes, about pleasure reasons, uh, and so on, so on. And uh, many people remember this uh, article, many people remember that it was uh, kind of illustration of what's going on in popular uh, science magazines, in media, uh, according to psychology, psychotherapy. Mm. Mm.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So was it in 2012? So like um, five years after the so-called hoax was on, right? Yeah. So it's pretty good. Now, that is really unconventional. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I think you kind of trying to prove the point, and, and that's the best way to do it, I think, or, or was the best way to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, another, uh, another example of unconventional uh, thinking, I'm not pretty sure that it's uh, completely unconventional, but before uh, Polish Skeptics Club um, was launched, uh, we wrote an open letter uh, in defense of reason uh, to our ministry because our ministry decided um, uh, to include in the list of official jobs they uh, uh, included homeopaths, uh, oh. bioenergo therapists uh, and so on so on oh god and uh, several scientists decided to write a letter to our ministry And we collected more than 5,000 signatures uh, under this letter and we sent it uh, to our ministry. And most of signatures uh, were, uh, this letter was signed by scientists from Poland and from abroad. Mm. Uh, uh, because we collected uh, our uh, connections uh, on the world and we sent this letter and it was pretty strong for our government and again the discussion about this was uh, more than two weeks in main media although they didn't delete these jobs from this list they are still there but many people heard that uh, something is wrong with this
2: Let's talk about the European Skeptics Congress that, uh, that will take place in Wrocław, where you finished your studies, by the way. Listeners to the show know that it'll be in uh, September. Can you tell us a little bit about what you and the Polish Skeptic Club has in, in this uh, organizing this?
0: Uh, first of all, uh, maybe um, a short instruction about uh, pronunciation of uh, <laughs> okay. Wroclaw. It's, uh, it's Wroclaw. And love, like love. Okay. Oh, <laughs> we pronounce it. Uh, there is a love in in the name of this uh, of the city. So laugh. By the way, this is a very beautiful uh, place, and I hope uh, you you will like this. Can't wait to see it. We organized uh, this with Czech Skeptics Club because we are we were too weak uh, to organize it uh, by ourselves. Uh, First of all, we uh, provided a venue for this uh, Congress, uh, which is a very nice building uh, at the University of Wrocław. And we provide uh, volunteers and organization of everything what will held during Congress. But we also discuss with our Czech friends, program, speakers, uh, and so on, so on. And of course we are looking for sponsors all the time. <laughs> we are trying to engage our institutions. Uh, just a week ago we get an information that uh, the major of Wrocław uh, became a honorary patron of uh, the Congress uh, as well as a Copernicus Centre of Science from Warsaw, which is a very well known institution in Poland and they also will come with uh, an exhibition uh, about a mind, uh, very interesting one, exhibition. Uh, so we, we try to enrich this Congress as much as possible and to deal with all these practical uh, issues, you know, uh, very simple like coffee, tea, <laughs> catering and so on and so on.
1: Mm. So nice to hear the name of Copernicus. Uh (laughs) Obviously, it's important for Poland because he was
0: Polish, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: How big a congress are you expecting this year?
0: Uh, You know, we have a hall for 550 people and I hope to fill this hall.
1: (laughs) Yes. Let's try to do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm too ambitious, but I hope to do this.
1: (laughs) No, anyone who's listening to this please consider buying a ticket obviously the the link will be um, on the show notes following the release of the show and come and meet everyone uh, there it's gonna be lots of fun lots of skeptics brilliant people from across Europe I, I do recommend attending that conference
0: what is unusual during this congress uh, and what um, uh, we are doing now it's um, a two parallel programs because uh, till now uh, the congress was for skeptics it, sometimes it was convincing con- convinced uh, we know all of these jokes about homeopaths about alternative medicine and so on so on we we laugh at them etc yeah. Class- classical uh,
1: preaching to the choir
0: <laughs> yeah uh, and what we decided to do uh, we decided to go a little outside so um, the main program for the congress will be like usually for skeptics <clears throat> but there will be two parallel programs one for uh, children There will be some workshops uh, about critical thinking, about science, about designing research, uh, about uh, experimenting uh, just for children and uh, young uh, people. And there will be also parallel program for people uh, just from the street. Mm -hmm. Uh, We organized uh, lectures um, about similar topics like uh, within main program but uh, uh, on a very popular level and uh, for uh, ordinary people. Uh, So the Congress uh, will be uh, held in three uh, halls. In one hall uh, there will be I hope 550 skeptics from uh, Europe and from other continents. Uh, In one uh, uh, there will be people from Wroclaw and maybe from other uh, cities um, from Poland listening about alternative medicine, about GMOs and etc. And uh, in the third room there will be uh, activities um, uh, for children. That sounds
2: fantastic.
3: That's a very great um, idea, because we always talk about how we, you know, like uh, Andra said, uh, preaching to the choir, and it's a great way to engage public that maybe is on the fence about the whole thing and want to know more, for example, about homeopathy, etc. And it will be good to provide them the right kind of information.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe one, uh, one more thing is that we try to engage to the program also people not skeptics. There are not all of them are completely skeptical uh, to discuss with them a little bit. So we invited a Catholic um, uh, astronomer as well to discuss uh, in the panel um, about science and religion. Uh, We invited people who were against GMOs, etc. So, we want to make these discussions a little more uh, alive, uh, uh, a little more active, uh, and... Try to engage this uh, critical thinking on the opposite side um, of our thinking. Very good,
3: excellent. Yeah,
0: excellent. The the other
1: thing that uh, that interests me is. Uh, How much uh, of the conference um, will be about uh, psychology and uh, myths in uh, popular psychology? I'm really hoping to hear you um, giving a talk, but uh, it was recently published that uh, Scott Lilienfeld will be among the speakers as well.
0: Yes, of course, psychology is my my subject um, and I um insisted uh, include psychology in this okay but will be not so uh, much psychology don't afraid But uh, will be only <laughs> one session of a few psychologists and uh, that will be talk uh, given by scott Lienfeld as mm-hmm. you noticed and by uh, susan blackmore mm, yeah. uh, uh, you know her probably very well yep. uh, and uh, by um, one czech psychologist uh, i will not give a lecture because you know i i think when i'm organizer and uh, it's not a place for me to give a lecture i will give a lecture at uh, another congress in different country uh, it's a place for other people uh, i'm a host so uh, I will not take time for discussion, etc. Et, et I'm convinced uh, it should work like uh, like this. But apart from psychology, parapsychology, uh, and skeptical psychology, there will be also um, a session uh, with a very interesting subject um, uh, which was absent uh, till now which is growing in popularity, it is uh, Exorcisms. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, 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 We will show a documentary about exorcisms and uh, we will discuss with uh, the director of this film and we will show some aspects of this phenomenon, which is very interesting and still growing.
2: Could you tell us a little bit about your books, Psychology Gone Wrong and Psychology Led Astray? Uh,
0: Yeah, Uh, Psychology Gone Wrong and Psychology Led Astray, there are two books from my uh, planned trilogy. I plan to to publish another third book uh, about psychology, about dark sides of psychology. When I started to write this book, uh, I just wanted to... uh, just to clarify some aspects of psychology. But when I started to gather materials for this book, it appeared that it's a huge, huge amount of pseudoscience and such things in psychology. And during writing, I realized that I will never finish this book So I decided to divide it, (laughs) but uh, I still have uh, a lot of material to write about pseudoscience uh, within psychology, both uh, scientific psychology, or so-called scientific psychology, and uh, in applied psychology. Uh, A a lot of psychology is applied psychology, it's quite close to reality, to everyday life. And um, especially in this area, there are a lot of uh, pseudoscience and this pseudoscience is accepted at universities as well, worldwide, not only in Poland, Uh, probably in such countries like Poland, Hungary, former communist countries, uh, much more, uh, but I also found a lot of uh, pseudoscience in Great Britain, in the United States, uh, etc. So that's actually in the, in
1: the curriculum of uh, certain universities that, that they, they actually teach pseudoscientific uh,
0: yeah. ideas? Yes, oh. yes, okay. yes. Let's say uh, psychoanalysis. Yeah. Psychoanalysis is a pseudoscience. Uh, it's a theory without evidence, without enough evidence, uh, empirical evidence. It's still pseudoscience. And this, uh, psychoanalysis is, uh, is taught at many universities and yet, in Europe. And yet, it's, uh, it's
1: still, even though you say, as, as an insider, you say that it's uh, pseudoscience. In popular belief, I think it's widely thought to be real.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. popularized by, by, by movies, by media. Yeah. Uh, and by many books. And, by, by, by many books as well. Yeah, of course, of course, and uh, but it's not only not only one pseudoscience. Maybe say is the oldest one, but uh, neuro-linguistic programming, let's say, uh, or such uh, similar conceptions like uh, Bert Hellinger' uh, uh, conception of therapy. Uh, there are plenty of, uh, of very new ideas uh, which are very popular and pure pseudoscience.
2: Could you explain to us what uh, NLP is or Neuro Linguistic Programming?
0: It's a concept uh, who started uh, in a very good uh, way. Two scientists, um, one was uh, linguists and uh, another one was psychologist. They started to observe... Uh, the best uh, psychotherapists uh, uh, working uh, in 70s in 60s 70s and they decided uh, when they connect all the best practices of uh, best uh, of this best uh, psychotherapists uh, they would be able to create uh, such pure excellent psychotherapy and It was a very good idea. They started from ob- observations, but after that they created assumptions and uh, they started to use them without this phase of uh, experiments of empirical uh, validation. So they jump, uh, jumped from a theory based on observations just to practice without any verification. It became very popular because it's formulated uh, in a very easy way and it still transforms. So when I uh, criticized uh, neurolinguistic programming, uh, basic assumptions from 70s, I usually hear, uh, well, now uh, neurolinguistic programming is something very different. It's not the same what it was in 70s when i criticize what was in uh, 90s they say okay we are far away from um, what we were talking about uh, this so it's it's difficult to even to criticize but but it's a typical strategy for pseudoscience I think um analysts uh, they usually also say uh, Freud it's a very old um, theory now we are far away uh, we're thinking in a different way uh, and we are changing all the time so what you are criticizing it's not uh, what we are doing now
3: yeah I have to say NLP was very popular in Latvia when I was growing up a teenager in school
0: <laughs> yeah
3: it's um, I think it's still fairly popular, uh, but it's...
0: Uh, um... NLP is uh, supported by our Ministry of Education uh, mm. in schools as well. Yeah.
3: Um, I want to ask you about the uh, something you said in Psychology Gone Wrong book, uh, which is one of the books that co-authored with uh, Maciej Zatonski. Yes. Um, you call psychotherapy a form of prostitution. Uh, what's wrong with psych- psychotherapy?
0: Well, first of all, I, I, I have to correct you a little bit. Uh, because it, it was not me who called uh, psychotherapy a psychotherapy kind of prostitution. Uh, it was um, a very well-known uh, British psychologist Hans Isang. Uh, and even before him, uh, other uh, people called uh, it as a form of prostitution. So many people say now that... I called psychotherapy a kind of prostitution, but it was not me. Right. I I repeated it. Of course, there is no modality like words, psychoanalysis, or cognitive behavioral therapy, or systematic therapy, or therapy, or Rogers therapy, but. one uh, general factor and this general factor is uh, psychotherapist himself Uh, so what cure you uh, during psychotherapy is not this theory which is behind uh, therapist but his properties as a human being you know a contact with other uh, uh, with other people cures so isaac formulated in this way okay uh, some people have not enough energy to maintain contacts with uh, another people, and they need prostitutes. So they pay for this, and they just pay. They ju- they do what they want to do, and they finish this um, contact. Uh, and he said uh, similarly is uh, during psychotherapy. You need a friend. What you need you. It's an another um, person, it's another human being. Uh, if you have not enough time to maintain um, um, friendship uh, and connections with your friend, uh, etc. or maybe you don't uh, want to do this, you can pay for this. You come to psychotherapist, you pay for this, uh, you take what you need to take And you finish this connection, this uh, relation, and it reminds uh, prostitution. But when he was uh, talking about it, he was not thinking uh, um, in a bad way about this. He just wanted to point uh, what is the main uh, meaning of psychotherapy.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: All right. I think it's, um, it's important to make this absolutely clear. So basically you're not saying that when someone sees a psychotherapist with a prob- with a, with a, their problems um it's absolutely useless and it doesn't do anything good so it's not what you're implying it's 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 then it's what what you're implying is that it's basically something that there is there is a human need of talking to another person and that is something that a psychotherapist can provide instead of you talking to your your friends about your problems
0: you know in psychotherapy this is a very complicated uh, subject because um, we use this word for um, uh, treating people uh, who are mentally ill really uh, seriously mentally ill and we use this term for um, just talking about sense of life, uh, about um, a lack of goals in my life, uh, uh, about uh, a little emptiness, about that I, sometimes I'm a, a little bit sad, uh, especially in autumn. It is a little like uh, to putting in one uh, uh, word uh, what uh, surgeons do with your uh, heart on on the open heart operation surgery and with some uh, i don't know cosmetic who do something with your uh, with your skin or with hairdresser you know both do uh, something with your body but in psychotherapy uh, we call everything psychotherapy yeah i don't know whether you understand me well
1: so um I'm pretty sure that if, if it's uh, not completely clear to someone, they should probably read your books. And uh, it must be absolutely clear uh, after reading the book. Yeah, uh, there is one more thing. Your latest book that is, that was uh, also published in English, Psychology, Ladder Stray, uh, Cargo Cult in Science and Therapy, that was... Uh, really publicly praised by Scott Lilienfeld, um, whom we we mentioned earlier. He wrote very nicely about it. So that's a very interesting concept, the cargo cult. Would you mind telling our listeners what uh, cargo cult is and and what does it have to do with science and therapy?
0: Yes, Um, cargo cult uh, is a term uh, um, which found its place in science uh, due to um, Richard Feynman, a very famous physicist uh, and Nobel Prize winner. Um, He gave a lecture in uh, 1974 for Caltech and he told about uh, social sciences as about uh, cargo cult science. And Cargo Cult is a a specific phenomenon which can be observed on the islands of Pacific Oceans. By the way, on more than 80 islands it developed by itself. The islanders who live there, they observe white people who are coming to the islands Especially these cults were active in the first part of 20th century, before the Second World War. When soldiers became on the islands, they started to build uh, military bases, uh, harbors, uh, airports, uh, etc. And uh, islanders observed uh, these uh, people, They observed planes, which were completely unknown for them. And they came to the conclusion that uh, uh, they must be uh, coming from gods. That uh, if they will repeat what white people do, they will be sent uh, also so many goods uh, by planes. And they started to build radio stations... uh, using uh, uh, wood uh, for antennas and uh, cane etc they started to be- build runways uh, uh, they fired uh, fireplaces on runways uh, and they even built uh, planes uh, from wood and cane to attract other planes uh, to land on their runways yeah uh, and as feynman told they do everything. They try to do everything exactly as uh, uh, white people do. But it doesn't work. <laughs> but it doesn't work because yeah. you know they don't know a mechanism. Uh, so they build a radio station which uh, reminds uh, the original radio station but the antenna is made from wood, and uh, etc., etc., and everything is not connected properly. And he said it uh, reminds what many social scientists do. They do a lot of things which remind proper science. They imitate what scientists do in social sciences, but it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. It is a kind of ritual, uh, not a really working mechanism. Just from November was published um, a big meta-analysis in psychology about uh, risk factors of suicide. It was published by Franklin and his co-workers, and it revealed that uh, after 50 years of research... We have no more powerful tools to recognize risk factors of suicide than the flip coin. Oh. And and this this is what Feynman called cargo cult, and what I call uh, cargo cult.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, just take into consideration that uh, during last uh, about 40, 50 years um rate of suicide raised about 60 percent and it's still raising and many many psychologists still working on this problem still they are still publishing papers articles they are traveling to conferences they give talks but we still have no tools so this is really cargo cult so mm-hmm. we do a lot of work uh, and no effects. Mm.
1: yeah, but we we rest assured that we, we we've done our share, we've we've done enough work, so we, we believe that it will work, but it it basically, but the science shows that it doesn't.
0: yeah, and we feel it very important because we deal with yeah. very important mm. problems.
2: So Tomáš, to round off the the interview, uh, what have you for plans for the future? Uh, some new books coming out, or what's on, the, what's on going on?
0: So as I told you before, um, I plan to publish um, uh, another book, the third part of my uh, trilogy. But I also was interested like last time about uh, using artificial intelligence uh, in psychology, in psychotherapy, which seems to me very important problem uh, and very promising subject. So maybe I will write something about this as well.
3: Um, Okay. And where can people find out more about your work?
0: Uh, Well, I have a blog. It's uh, forbiddenpsychology.wordpress.com. And of course, we invite you to our congress, euroskepticscon.org. And I invite you to read my books.
1: Yeah, certainly. Right. Thank you. And we can't wait to see you uh, at the European Skeptics Congress. But uh, I'm afraid that this has been all we had time for. So, Tomasz Witkowski, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: Thanks for your time.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Good.
3: Um, I, for once, learned something new today after the interview about NLP Slightly disappointed. Um, it's I didn't know it's, it's considered to be pseudo scientific method. Hmm. So now I do know.
4: Okay,
2: it's still uh, pretty popular. I think I very hear Very popular, it and sweet. it's yeah.
3: I remember thinking, oh, it's pretty good. Maybe it's too good to be true, eh?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. but it sounds sort of I I don't know. It sounds uh, uh, attractive in a way. I, I don't very,
3: know. Very, very yeah. much so. Yeah, and I'm sure it's used by a lot of cranks oh. I, I, I want to say business businessmen but baby cranks is the best way
1: hmm.
3: Cr- cracks cracks not cracks
1: NLP NLP it sounds like it sounds, it sounds like the name of a party doesn't it so it's like Ooh. or a national, drug national <laughs> liberal party or something so it's
2: <laughs>
1: yeah but uh, or or a receptor hmm. but um, now
2: we know better so thank you very yeah, much Thomas.
1: we do and uh yeah, I do recommend everyone to to read the books um, hopefully that is not a promise because it's it doesn't come from uh, from Thomas Hips himself but um, I really hope that uh, he'll have a couple of copies of the book at the European Skeptics Congress or if you have a copy of the book, bring it along and uh, get it signed cool. sure he's he's yeah. gonna be happy to sign it yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, again, that's not a promise. He's going to be a very busy man at the conference. So <laughs> approach him with caution. Really looking forward to the European Skeptics Congress, by the way. And uh, yeah. there's still a lot of time for, for everyone to buy your tickets. And don't forget the extra uh, services that were um, mentioned by Claire Klingenberg. Skeptibas! Yeah, Skeptibas <laughs> I'm looking Skept- forward. Skepticism to the, the, for breakfast.
2: I'm looking forward to the cruise on the on the river there. I, I yeah, have a ticket for ske- that.
1: So oh, I, w- I want a ticket for that too. So I'm I'm hoping by the time I'm getting my ticket, it's not going to be run out. Okay, so I think this has been it for for this week. So I'd like to thank both of you, Yelena and Pontus. Uh,
2: thank you.
3: Thank you very much, guys.
1: Pleasure as always. Yes. So until next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
3: Have a good week. Bye.
4: You told this. me that aliens really yeah. exist. Guess which one of us is deceived? The also so hazy, it's driving me crazy. I don't know how you can believe. Your is also so hazy, it's driving me crazy. Guess which one of us is deceived? You're driving me crazy. You're driving me crazy. I don't know how you can believe.
3: And uh, our Twitter handle is... Uh, um...
2: What is it, Jelena? <laughs> what, what is our Twitter <laughs> handle? Because our
3: Twitter, our Twitter handle doesn't, doesn't uh, make uh, any uh,
2: sense. After 60 episodes, maybe it's changed.
3: Well, I for once learn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've forgotten that I need to wait for this sound.